This podcast is a feature of Concordia's TESOL Resource Center. To join Concordia University's TESOL community, visit our website at www.concordia.ca forward slash TESOL. We have tons of online resources for teachers, a mentorship program, and of course, more episodes of Talking TESOL. You can also find us on Facebook under Concordia's TESOL Resource Center. See you there! Welcome to Talking TESOL, Concordia University's TESOL Resource Center's official podcast, where we discuss all things to do with teaching English as a second language. I'm your host, Sivan Blackrochen. Welcome to the show. Today, we are kicking off our Teacher's Perspective series. In this series, I talk to Concordia graduates who now teach in different institutions in Montreal. This includes elementary schools, high schools, CIGEPs, and private language institutions. And the aim of this series is to get an insider perspective of what the job is actually like from those in the workforce, and also to see what our TESOL graduates are up to. In this episode, I sit down with Alex, a graduate of Concordia's TESOL program, to discuss his experiences teaching at the elementary level. He's here to discuss how to land jobs, classroom management techniques, and all kinds of inspiring teachable moments. If you are thinking of teaching in elementary schools here in Montreal, then this is definitely the episode for you. So sit back, relax, and let's listen to my conversation with Alex. Hi, Alex. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Alex, uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I'm uh, I'm from here, Montreal boy, grew up in Laval. Uh, I teach in Laval, actually, it's easier for me because I live in the city. And uh, I uh, graduated from Concordia in 2013 uh, with a back in English literature, and then I went back in 2015 and completed my uh, TESOL uh, certification and program, basically. And I graduated in 2018. So how did that work, actually? Was that, um, like, so you did, was it a, initially a three-year program and then another three-year program? It was like, a, it was a full bachelor's degree in English literature. But then I realized that there's uh, not much of uh, what I, like, what interests me in that field. So I decided to go back and pursue uh, TESOL as my career. Okay. All right. And so you teach in Laval. What schools do you teach at and what is the school board? Uh, well, it, well, it, well, it used to be called the CSDL, obviously, but like at the end of the year, they just changed it. So it's the Centre Service Scolaire de Laval. And the schools I taught at, luckily, I was able to get the, the same contract two years in a row. Uh, one is um, an alternative uh, school. It's called uh, École Alternative L'Envol. And the other one is um, a special education school for uh students who have uh, physical, cognitive, or any other type of disability. And that one is called uh, Ecole Jean Piaget. It's like, it's basically a 73% contract at L'Envol and another 8% at uh, Jean Piaget. Okay. So first, when you say an alternative school, what does, what does this mean, really? Uh, well, basically the, the pedagogy and the way the school works and everything is uh, an alternative way to the traditional way that schools work. So, for example, we have um, multi-niveau classes. So we have students from, uh, let's say, grade one and two that are in, in the same class in three and four and five and six. 
the entire uh, teaching process is different. Teachers, it's there's a lot of uh, what do you call it? Uh, scaffolding, you know, like Jean Piaget's scaffolding. So it's mostly uh, students that help each other learn and they help each other progress and everything. There's a lot of individual activities. The students learn how to be more autonomous from a younger age. They learn to adopt responsibilities. They have their own little co committees where uh, teachers are uh, basically, they, they, they're in charge and the students from grade one to grade six, mixed groups have their own committees and they have like activities they plan for the school. So it's, um, it's quite different from traditional uh, classrooms and having to adjust to that, especially right after university was a bit of a challenge. But after two years, uh, honestly, it's, uh, it's something worth, uh, worthwhile, to be honest. Okay, I have so many questions about that. Yeah, what, what, I mean, what was that transition like, actually? So, because, like, was that something you guys touched at all? Like, that kind of a system in the TESOL program? Um, so you're kind of familiar with it, or was it totally something new? We, we've touched upon, um, multi-level classes. So we've had, uh, some activities or, um, we've had some classes where we, uh, briefly, uh, went over what it would like to have different uh, levels or grade levels in your class. Beyond that, I think they might have mentioned, for example, when they were talking about in intensive, they we had some classes on that and they might have mentioned alternative schools, but there's only two in Laval. And I think only uh, not a handful, but like not that many, maybe like uh, more than a dozen in Quebec. So these uh, like this alternative initiative is something uh, relatively new. To my knowledge, anyways, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's why it was. Uh, it's not really like I said. I had no idea what it was when, until I started teaching there, and then I got like a, a grasp of what it actually is. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not completely different than your mm -hmm. traditional school, but there are like a lot of uh, particularities that this school has compared to others where they don't necessarily have and stuff like that. So what were like what were some of the biggest challenges basically at the beginning? Um well the way they well to start off they don't have um like the way they grade is different. So they mm -hmm. have basically three grading schemes. So they have uh you either put like for example a force which is like uh you put an F for force something that they're really strong in and then there's very G for general and it's interesting because if you're failing or if you're actually doing not so good in a specific topic or subject it could be beyond english like any other uh, topic uh they'll give you like a day which stands for defi so their approach isn't that you're failing it's more like this is a challenge for the mm. students so even their approach on how to help students with difficulties and uh learning disabilities and all that is completely different so it kind of encourages uh, the students to know that even though they might not be doing so well it's just a defi it's a challenge as opposed to a uh, an échec or a failed grade so that's different uh, they have, like I said, all these committees. They have, um, a lot of parent implication. Mm -hmm. they, like, if you, if you, like, for example, if the parents want to enroll their student, uh, their students, their child in the school, you have to have 30 hours of, um, how could you say it? Like, uh, benevola, basically. Yeah, you have to come, volunteer experience. Volunteer work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to come for 30 hours throughout the year and help out. So sometimes there's parents that come in, they could co-teach. So if I needed someone, 
to run an activity with me, I could just ask the, like, you know, the parents in the class, like, I need a parent to come help me out for this activity that we're going to do. And a parent will show up. You just tell them what you need and they help you out if you need to prepare for a project. Uh, if we have, uh, outings or if there's school, like, you know, activities, the parents come, they chaperone, they help out and everything. So that's something completely different. I mean, the, the parents have like the, the, what do you call it? Like the access quote. So they just walk in and out of school. Sometimes they have their own little manda that they have to take care of so they'll walk in do stuff leave so it's a it's, it's a it was a completely different atmosphere than uh, other schools so it sounds like like there's this real sense of community right first of yeah. all because there's this like trust right between the the school itself and then the parents right the parents are so involved wow that actually that sounds really really cool did you know you wanted to do that or did it just kind of fall into your lap or what 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 happened <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I, when I first started my, my, my first year, obviously, uh, your, um, the pool of uh, contracts that you could choose from is very, uh, we'll call it very shallow because there's not that many to choose from because it's like the bottom, 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 bottom. Like you, you know, you're getting like the, le restant, the restant. And, uh, this school was available and I honestly had no expectations on what's, you know, what's going to happen. But then when I completed the year, I was pleasantly surprised and really intrigued. And obviously returning to a school where you already worked is easier than restarting somewhere new. So I was lucky enough to fall on the same contract again, took it the second year. And honestly, the second year is where I started feeling more comfortable because I got to experience the first year, understand like they, they even have their own lingo. They have like words and specific, you know, uh, terminology. So the first year was really finding your groove. And then it was kind of in the second year that things seemed to fall more yeah. into place and you, you felt like, uh, more comfortable. Yeah. So, okay. So, so did you, um, I'm curious, I guess you're saying that because it's mult, all the grades are together. Maybe this is a hard question to ask, but, um, but do you teach like a particular grade or, or how does that work? Well, really? it's, it, it's, it's a very small school. Well, no, it's not very small, but I, if I'm not mistaken, we have around 270 students in the school. And, um, basically I teach everyone from grade one to grade six. So I'm the only English specialist. Oh, uh, wow. They have, yeah, they have class decorate and, um, prescolaire, but I don't teach those. But basically, yeah, I have like firm control of all the, the English that they learn and everything. So that's kind of, uh, it is a challenge because you have to, uh, learn how to uh, create, especially if my, my second year, you had to create like an entire plan where you're progressing year after year, grade after grade. So it's, it's more long term the way that my planning started as opposed to just thinking about this following year if mm. I wish to come back and everything. So that was, uh, and it was also a challenge because for example, it's my first year teaching ever. And then I'm mm-hmm. thrown into an environment which is completely different than traditional. So that was also like, Oh my God, like what's going on? Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But you figured it out. It, it kind of came I, together. I figured it yeah. out. Honestly, yeah. uh, it's just patience. You just have to be patient with yourself and you, you have to manage your expectations. Uh, obviously, I, I had high expectations in my first year, but I realized that I have to kind of lower them and make them more realistic goals that you can achieve and stuff like that. So when you say your expectations, what, like, what, what kind of things were you expecting, really? Well, I guess like the, the first thing I could say would be the way, uh, the students would, um, how they would act in your class and how they are. Obviously they've had, I think five or six different teachers for the past six years. So it's always been a different person coming in with a different, you know, method of teaching. So when it came to mind, I needed to, 
fine tune my expectations in the sense that they aren't necessarily used to what I'm doing and they have to kind of feel my groove and feel like what it is to be a, one of my students. And then once they start understanding that and they understood what my expectations of them were and et cetera, it became easier for me. And then I realized, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm jumping the gun here by wanting too many things. Maybe I should make them small term goals as in like, okay, within the next month and a half, let's try and get to this point and then move forward. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that kind of, so basically taking, I, I guess it's like, yeah, what your expectations based off of your studies, right? Like what you experienced in the program. Yeah, and then, and then that, that shifts when you're kind of transferring them to like the real teaching situation. Definitely. Yeah. And I also, I also realized that this was also a challenge for me, but it, it modified my expectations in, in the sense that uh, every student is completely different the way they work, mm. the way they think, the way uh, they have studying habits, learning habits. And uh, even though we do learn about differentiation and all these things at Concordia, you don't necessarily think of applying it right away, especially when you're first starting. Whereas in my second year, once I got to learn everyone's like Nivo and how, you know, what's their proficiency in mm -hmm. English. I had to adjust according to that. So that also I had to change my expectations from what I was, you know, anticipating my students and how they would perform in class. So it was, it was a learning experience that I was kind of hard on myself at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Cause even though I would fail or I would have some difficulties, I felt like, um, am I right for this job mm -hmm. or is this really what I should be doing? And I would doubt myself a lot, but then I realized that this is just very common. Every teacher told me like after eight years, you'll start feeling comfortable, you know, and some teachers said after 10 years, they start feeling comfortable. So it, it, it's very subjective the way you, uh, you progress as a teacher. And I guess I kind of got overwhelmed in my first mm -hmm. year, but I realized that Honestly, it's just like, like I said, patience. You just have to be patient with yourself, patient with your expectations, and gradually you'll find your footing and everything uh, falls into place. I think what you're saying here about expectation is really, really key because it's very true. Like as a teacher, you have these expectations from your studies, from your stages, from what you hear of what it's going to be like, you know, but then essentially once you're, once you're really like in the workforce and thrown into it, you completely have to reevaluate and just that itself, that itself can be very, very jarring, like being forced to reevaluate your expectations. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So what about your colleagues, like your peers? Just, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go on. Go on. No, 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 no. Go ahead. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just wondering. So, so you're saying like being, be patient with yourself, reevaluate your expectations, but, but what about just kind of external help too? Like, did you have a lot of people supporting you or what was, what was that like? Who was kind of your, in your circle there? Well, everyone in the school is really supportive. It's kind of like to draw back on what you said about that aspect of community. Mm -hmm. Even the teachers have that sense of community amongst them where they always discuss things amongst themselves and, you know, they want to try and find the best for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's a collective effort. Um, in terms of English, for example, I would have a bit of, um, not, not necessarily difficulty, but I, I, sometimes I would enjoy having someone just to bounce off some mm. ideas, just to un understand, is this a good idea or because not? Because you were and saying it was just you, there. right? It was just you. Exactly. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's just me. There's no other specialist that, you know, we could work together and create okay. stuff. Or maybe if I've reached, like, let's say a creative roadblock, maybe you need that inspiration from someone else. So luckily for me, there were uh, three teachers, I think, mm -hmm. 
in the school that taught English at one point in their career. Even one of them was part of the band linguistic in the same school. Mm -hmm. So that, that helped me where they came and they're like, oh, you know, this is what I used to do. Obviously it was 10 years ago or whatever. So, but they would just give me ideas and stuff, even though it wasn't their uh, domain of expertise, let's say they still had uh, some knowledge that they wanted to share and they felt that it might help me. And I, I welcomed all of that all the time because especially as a starting teacher, you know, you want to have the most amount of support mm. and, you know, basically mm -hmm. that was it. So did you turn also to the people that you did your undergrad with? Um, or do you find you guys kind of went to your separate ways or what, what was that like? I, I had, um, well, obviously there were specific people within my undergrad where we, uh, we connected on a, on another level, let's say, and those were the people that I would, you know, seek out to, for, inf for information or, you know, just sometimes just like support as in like, are you surviving your first year as teaching as a teacher? You know, I'm having this difficulty, whatever. And sometimes when you see someone else that's struggling, you kind of feel a bit better mm. in the sense that, okay, I'm not mm. alone with my struggles. So it kind of made me, it was reassuring that what's happening is very common and it happens to everyone. Um, the only issue with me in particular was a lot of my, uh, I, I guess, colleagues from school ended up teaching in high school okay. so it was a bit different in terms of uh what they were doing obviously and what i was doing in elementary so it, i couldn't really discuss everything with them because a lot of them were teaching high school so it was like you know two completely different things right. but for those who did uh yeah we would we would you know i would try my best there's the um, Quebec, uh, Tesla teachers. There's group the on Quebec Facebook. ESL teachers group. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that was like honestly one of the coolest things because, uh, some of these teachers are even three, four hours away from Montreal, like not even around the greater Montreal area or anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just a different perspective from another area in Quebec where, you know, and I enjoy that they share things. Everyone's very open. I remember I had, um, I wanted to have an outing with uh, my students, but I didn't know where to take them. And I wanted it to be an English outing, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my, I posted in that group and within 30 minutes, I got like 15 replies. Everyone giving me, uh, oh, this place is nice or try this place. This one has a subvention for English activities, et cetera, et cetera. So that Facebook group helped a lot. I think there's a, I don't know if it's still open, but the Tesla Concordia uh, Student mm -hmm. Association Group too. Sometimes they put a lot of, you know, pertinent information or they share things there. So um, it is important the network. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as you think that you're the teacher and you're in the school and you're in the class alone, um, sometimes it's better just to talk to other people, get different perspectives. Mm -hmm. It'll help you. Uh, avoid stagnation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was, which was, which was one of my, uh, let's say, um, not necessarily, uh, low points, but I always tried to make sure that I was kind of renewing my activities mm. and making them always something different. And sometimes when you would, like I mentioned before, you would reach a creative roadblock where you're like, okay, I've done these seven different communicative activities in the past month. But I can't really think of anything else. And that's where you seek out other people. You mm. know, I was thinking of doing this activity or sometimes it's stuff that we did at Concordia. Mm -hmm. And I just don't remember all the fine details. And I'll ask someone, you remember that activity we did in our second year of the program with this teacher? What was that activity called or which book was it in? And then they'll tell me like, well, it's in this book. I'll go look it up. Oh, okay. And then just, you know, through memory, I'll remember what the activities were. 
So it is important to network yourself and uh, out, you know, just source out as much as you can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so it sounds like you're talking about two, two real things here. I mean, one is for ideas, exactly this, like, so you're not stagnating, doing the same things over and over again, but also just for this support. And especially right in your first year, because, uh, and I mean, and, and you said uh, another teacher told you eight years approximately. That's when you start to get really comfortable. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I mean, there, there are statistics to back that up, right? Like teacher attrition you know, is, is a huge, is a huge, huge issue. And I think, um, I think the average is something like five years. I could be wrong about that, but, um, Mm -hmm. but I mean, that's a huge thing. So on that note, kind of skipping ahead here and what I had in mind, but it's all good. Um, so what about (laughs) the work life balance? Okay. So if we're talking about support, we're talking about feeling, you know, burnt out, all the stagnation and all this, um, what, what is the work life balance like for you? At least maybe that, I guess it's different that first year to the second, but tell me all about it. Uh, no, you, you are correct. It is obviously in your second year, you kind of went through the first year and you, you weathered the storm and now you, you feel more, okay, relaxed and you know what to expect. And honestly, uh, I always give myself a good hour or two every day after work just to go over my mm-hmm. notes. I have like a little note, I have a little notebook. I write down, uh, things that I observed in class or whatever. I just go over my notes, just go over everything we did see if there's anything I could modify or change for the following classes. I try and like do most of my work on the weekend, mm-hmm. even though it's, you know, your weekend, you want to enjoy it, but I'll try and do it like early uh, Saturday afternoon as much as I can so that I don't have too much to do during the week because honestly, balancing life and work is important in my mm-hmm. opinion. And as a teacher, it's one of the few jobs where you actually have to bring your work with right. you home. And you have to actually work at it on your own time, which is um, difficult a bit because, again, when it comes to managing your life and work balance, sometimes work becomes overwhelming and you don't really have mm-hmm. much of a life to, to, to look mm-hmm. back on. But it's, it's, part of, uh, it's part of the job. And honestly, if you're really, really like into teaching and you want to be the best that you could be and you're really a pro mm-hmm. at it, you're going to have to put in a lot of hours outside of work. But... Mm-hmm always always try and find some time for yourself because otherwise you're just going to be like dip over there and you're 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 gonna you're gonna crash emotionally and maybe uh you know physically also i wonder if this connects to what you were saying before just about expectations as well like do you feel um that in the program they instilled in you a sense of kind of what that balance would be like or how much of your work you would be taking home and then did you find it very overwhelming in your first year uh, was that kind of a surprise, like how much of it or, or, well, the, I remember when you, when you first start, uh, Concordia, um, I don't know if it was the case for everyone, but usually it's Teresa who always mentions what it is to be a Tesla student and how, uh, it's like a 25 or 30 hour workload outside of mm. class where you have to read and stuff and everything. So that kind of, because I was so committed in achieving that, I, I, got that groove of putting like allocating some time during my uh my off hours mm-hmm. to work on some things so that uh, that definitely helped mm-hmm. especially if uh that and concordia compared to other pro programs like tesla programs i've spoken to people it's it's like it's demanding mm-hmm. but it's all gonna you're all gonna benefit you're gonna reap the rewards later on because all that you learn and all that demanding work that you have to do is gonna basically translate to what you have to do on your mm. own once you're a teacher so that helped me a lot and um you know. I find there's also a lot of passion 
in the program. You know, there's like the people are truly, truly into what they're doing and really, really believe in that. And that's, that's something kind of contagious. You know, I think that's also important, like being in a, in a teacher community. And I guess, and I get this from the Facebook group. I get this from Concordia. Um, I don't know if all institutions have this, this kind of feeling, but just that everyone like loves what they do so much. Honestly, like I get that sense once I see the kids, uh, the kids, the, the students actually enjoying what the activity is but obviously the aim of the activity isn't for them to have a good time you want like you want them enjoying or having fun to be a byproduct of actually you know what your aim is or what your goal is with the activity Mm -hmm. so whenever i'm able to combine both of them where they're actually learning and using the language and they're actually having like a a fun Mm -hmm. time it just gives me that that jolt where okay okay this is actually working and you know they're happy and they're using the language and they're learning so it just motivates you to just keep going. You don't want like it, it, it's like a like a euphoric high kind I of thing. I was about to say like it's, such, it's a yeah, high, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. It is. It is, and it's just once you like see it happen. Like obviously during your internships and everything, you have your co-teacher with you, and it's like it's already you're in an environment where all the values and all the let's say the rules are established. So you're kind of walking into something which is already like encadré. Whereas when you're a teacher, it's like slate, like a blank slate. You're the one who's in, you're going to start everything from scratch. So as you build your rapport with the students, as you build your little classroom and everything, and then you realize that things are actually working very well, you just get this sense of satisfaction where you're like, okay, okay, things are starting to look up and it just motivates you to, to, to do the best you can. And that's why, like I said, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I work three, four hours correcting, preparing stuff at, at home. Mm-hmm. Whereas like my friends would be like, you know, doing whatever together or whatnot. But it was my sense of like that, that accomplishment you get when you actually do a good job and you see that they're learning and enjoying themselves. That just pushes you all the way. And even though you have to work three, four hours at home, it's not really work. It's just you know that fuel that makes you want to mm-hmm. be the best teacher that you want to be mm. so yeah that's that's the way i look at it anyways that's my perspective so let's talk um let's talk about critical incidents here on that note um what what are some what are mm-hmm. some of these moments in particular and what i mean by critical incidents are uh these these turning point moments they could be either like really good things or even kind of bad bad moments you know mm-hmm. sometimes i find it's actually these mm-hmm. these like these embarrassing moments that really teach you something, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, but just, can you tell me about any of them that you've had that were, that really changed things for you in terms of teaching? Well, I, I remember when I first encountered, um, students with IPs, when I realized that, okay, okay, okay. Like I really have to change this one activity because this student really has a difficult mm. time. And, uh, it was just, okay, your, your expectations for the student changes. Mm-hmm. And then you have to balance it. Like, okay, this one is really strong. So I'm going to force them to kind of push them to give me more. Whereas this one who is a bit weaker, you kind of have to be like, just give me one. Or if you can do your best and give me a second one. So that was like, okay, okay. I really have to pay attention to every single student and like understand their temperaments and what kind of student they are. Because if you just generally approach everyone the same way, some people are going to be okay, but that you're going to lose others. And that's, those are the ones that need the most attention sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and that was something where it changed my entire approach to how I would teach. This happened like about halfway through my first okay. year. It's essentially um, seeing this student struggle and really realizing I need to change things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't, 
Yeah, and you know, it's kind of like a, you, you wonder, like, am I doing something wrong that the student is struggling? But then you look at other students, you're like, no, but they seem mm. to understand. And then you're like, okay, so you know what? Maybe it's not necessarily my method. It's just the way I'm approaching mm. it and how I could modify it to, to facilitate for this student and not make it too easy for the other. So it's kind of trying to find that, that balance between the two. You know what I like about this point also is that I think a lot of um, novice teachers, when they'll encounter a situation like that, the inclination is to kind of beat themselves up, you know, and be like, oh, there's something wrong with the way I'm teaching. And then kind of do these like generalizations, like perhaps I'm not a good teacher if I can't quite reach the student, you know, but I just like how the way you're framing it is that, um, okay, like this is really a moment of growth, first of all, right? We're framing it as kind of this moment of growth and that um, it's, you, you just have to change your approach. You, you know, like it's something just very flexible. And, and so I, I think that's very valuable to to hold in your in your mind as an office teacher that it, um, that yeah. everything is, it flows, it moves, you know, nothing indicates like you're a bad teacher, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I contended with that a bit on my, on my own at the beginning where I would, uh, question <laughs> my abilities as a teacher. But it's exactly what you said. You know, you're a novice teacher and you're still trying to find your footing. And it's very common for these, uh, feelings to happen. It's just you have to learn to, uh, accept mm -hmm. them because it is something you have to accept and then just work with mm -hmm. it. And, uh, mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely. I love that. You have any other critical incidents or is that, is that your, <laughs> uh, there was one I remember, uh, this is where, where, um, I, I kind of had to learn how to, uh, okay. So it was, um, an incident where there was a, a student who has a, a PE and he has, um, he takes medication. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it was for ADD or ADHD, but he really, when he's not taking his medication, you could really mm -hmm. tell that, okay, I think he didn't take what he was supposed to take because he's like bouncing off the walls mm. and everything. And, you know, especially sometimes when you're, you're, you might have a bit of fatigue and it's the end of the week. It was on a Friday. I remember very well. And it was like the end of the week and it was during winter and it was cold and it was just mm. like, you know, having a kind of a bad day. And I, something, there was an incident that happened in class and I, I just had to react right away. And I realized that, okay, it's kind of like you're, you're going to react, but in that split second, you have to stop, remove yourself from the situation as a teacher and look at it objectively and try and, you know, approach that situation and react accordingly. And I learned that that's like a very difficult thing because it's happening and you want to intervene, but you have to, it's like as if you have to like freeze time. Yeah. Oh my God. Rea think about what you're going to do and then react, but you have to, so you have to do it essentially in the like moment. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's it. Because <laughs> otherwise you're just going to be standing there in front of the students, not saying anything. Everyone's like, what's going on? You know? Yeah. So that was something that I learned because if let's say I just went instinctively, I would have maybe gotten mad or I would have, you know, just like not lashed out, but have been like, Hey, what's going on or something. Mm -hmm. And maybe my approach would have been a bit harsh or maybe, you know, not necessary. Whereas, that when I realized that I kind of, okay, this student is, these are like the reasons, this is why it's happening and everything. So I just stopped and I told him, Dom, come next to me. He came and I asked him if you want to go take a walk in the hallway. Maybe that'll help you like relax a bit and just like a little detente. And then you could come back whenever you feel ready. And he's like, okay, yeah. And he walked out, he came back, relaxed, and we just moved on from there. So that was a very split second decision that I had to make. But at the same time, it was as if, like, like I said, like time stood still. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I was processing the different options that I have. 
And I learned how to adapt that, that way of working quicker because obviously, like we said, you don't want to stand there and be like thinking mm. while the students are looking at you, like, what's, what's this person doing? Right. You know? So that was like another critical incident where I realized like you have to act quickly, but at the same time, you have to think about what you're going to do as yeah. well. So it's kind of like finding that balance between being impulsive and actually thinking through what you're going to oh do. Oh my God, that is so, so true. It's, it's exactly that. Like in a split second, you have to evaluate the situation and then decide what you're going to do in a split second, you know? And I guess, um, yeah. I mean, and because I haven't been teaching for, for very long, but I guess as, um, as time goes on, um, that, that becomes more automatic. Like you just become more familiar with different kinds of situations, but it's very true at the beginning. That is definitely something for novice teachers to keep in mind that that is, um, a skill and something to hone and it, it's, and to kind of describe it in a way that's very clear, <laughs> you know, like it's this yeah, yeah, yeah. in the moment decision-making. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. Oh, it's so yeah. true. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. So, um, wow. I think that like super, super insightful things you have to say here. Um, well, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about some kind of, um, very hard fact kind of things here. How did you get the job? What was the process like? And what's kind of a typical day? What's a typical year? Just, you know, so the student can, and you know, and I think specifically what's really cool about this interview is we're talking about like an alternative system, right? Like it, this is not a typical mm -hmm. elementary school. So, so tell me all about it. What was that? What's the process like? Um, well, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if every, well, school board or center or service is the same, but uh, basically for the Laval, I'll, I'll use Laval mm -hmm. as my example, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you, you start off as a, a first year teacher. You have a contract. There's an evaluation and then you get called for a seance d'affectation where that you get to choose the contract. Okay. And that, then you, then when it's your second year, you get to choose the second one. And then after two positive, um, evaluations from the principal, mm -hmm. you get the school board officially hires you, let's say, because you're, it's, think of it as like you're on a two year probation mm -hmm. where you, you, you have to, show that you, you um you follow the the guidelines of what it is to be a teacher those um competencies the professional competencies are like the most important thing because every interview is based off okay. that the way you get evaluated is based off that those uh, professional competencies that you um i'm sure for everyone listening when you do your internships you have to fill out those like uh, yeah. forms and the, your it's all that it's all that it's all based on those so if you kind of I'm not going to say follow that, but if you, you know, use a lot of those in the way you teach and everything, it's going to help you get a positive right. grade for sure, because that's what their expect expectations are from you. And then, um, then you get placed on a, on a list, which is a liste priorité. And then basically that's where I'm at now. And uh, tomorrow is the séance d'affectation for the liste priorité. So. Uh, this way it works. It's like, you know, who's before you and who's after you. So you kind of know when you're going to get to choose. Whereas the other one is done randomly. So they just select names and then you kind of, you just have to hope that a contract calls and, or a contract that, you know, suits your needs is available. So at the beginning, after you get hired, you're essentially given a contract. It's, it's very random. Yes. Right. Right. And then, yeah. so if I understand yeah. correctly, then you have, uh, two contract periods that are like probation where they're evaluating you. And then if you do that well, then it's when you get to choose basically. Yeah. Then you get like, well, you, you always get, you get like, um, 
a higher priority mm. in choosing. You get to choose before other people. Let's say all the first year or second year students, uh, like teachers or let's say unqualified teachers who still are missing, like brevet d'enseignant or whatever, they get to choose last. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you put on the list, you get to be, you get to choose uh, before those people. Okay. And um, and then after a couple of years, once you move up on the list and there's a permanent post available. You, if you choose, if it's your turn to choose and you get to choose a permanent post, then you officially become the permanent teacher in that school. Mm, yeah. Okay. Is yeah. that your goal? Out of curiosity, for this school? Uh, I mean, ideally, yes. I would love to, to go back. And if, if it was possible, I would love to be a, a permanent teacher at this school. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, like I said, I have to be patient mm. year after year. You know, it's like you kind of forget about it during the year because you're so invested mm. in what you're doing. And then once like May and June comes around, you're like, oh, oh my contract's ending. And then you're going to be kind of in the limbo all summer, not knowing where you're going to end up working next year. So having that stability of always knowing where you're going to work kind of makes your teaching experience easier kind of you get to enjoy your summer better because you're not stressing out oh like you know where am i going to work hopefully it's a it's a school that's not too far i don't know it's somewhere that's a good school etc etc mm. and um obviously like i mentioned at, at the beginning when you go back to the school that you've already worked in you know the students mm. you know you know their levels and everything so you're you, the way you're going to teach is so much easier whereas if you come into a new school it might take you a couple of months until you get to learn everyone's name learn their habits like their uh little nuances and everything so definitely i would love to to, to come back to the school if uh, the opportunity was there so you teach at two institutions right um, yeah. So, yeah. so what do you? So, what, what is it? What, run me through. What does it look like to be a working teacher in an elementary school teaching at two institutions? Well, um, the, the special education school. I only teach there uh, a morning. Mm -hmm. Usually, it's uh, the first year was Tuesday, and last year, and I think this year also, it's going to be on Monday mm -hmm. mornings. So you, you get to go into another school Monday mornings. You just teach in that school very brief i think it's like two and a half hours nothing nothing major mm -hmm. and then you have the rest of like the afternoon off if uh what the good thing is the, the school i work at like the other school they uh they they usually need um suppliant ah, uh, replacement okay. teachers so a lot of times they'll come up to you and be like oh uh you know you're off on monday afternoon could you replace me for this class and so even though it's not a full contract and it might happen for other people too if you know if you get contracts where it's like 60 or 70 percent a lot of the teachers in the school are going to feel more comfortable having you substitute right, for them as right. opposed to having someone outside and it's not nothing against anyone else it's just obviously you're the english teacher you know all the students mm -hmm. so if you're subbing for a teacher in that school you know everybody right. so everyone's gonna listen to you they're not gonna you know they're gonna be more serious and everything so there's that also. So for those, if ever you end up with a contract that's 60 or 70%, there's always a possibility of subbing. So you'll make up that man money eventually. So that's not a problem. Okay. Um, then in the other school, I work, uh, Mondays, uh, actually not Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, full day. Um, like I said, it's a small school. There's only 11 classes. So you teach every mm -hmm. class. Um, the, the, the hours are a bit different because, um, for cycle one, so one and two, you teach one hour. Cycle three, you teach for ninety minutes, and cycle five, uh, three, uh, no, cycle two, mm -hmm. three, and basically grade three and four, you teach for ninety minutes, and then cycle three, grade five and six, it's like two hours okay. or something. So this school in particular has like different, you know, uh, like a different structure for how long classes uh -huh. are, um, and. 
honestly, uh, the, 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 the best thing you could do is use the progression of learning. That's like my, my Bible. Okay. I use that as like my, my tool to, like, to, to progress or to plan out my entire year. And then, um, month by month, I break it down to like, what's my goal for this month? Like, these are things I want to look up and these are the things I would like to do. And then every weekend, I just go over everything, prepare everything for the week. And then, you know, I fine tune it as I go. Sometimes you'll, you'll realize, oh, you know, this didn't work out well in this class. So maybe for the second one, I'll fix it and I'll adjust it this way. And then you adjust and then you, after the fifth time, you're a pro at it. You know, it is a bit redundant because you just, you teach the same especially one grades one and two and you're doing songs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes like they just like they're stuck in your head you know and you're walking around the hallways and you're just like yes i do yes i do because <laughs> you've done it like five you've done it five times already in one day you know yes um so th th there's those little things that come with uh teaching which is fun you know like i'll be watching something with my friends and there'll be a commercial for like a kid's show and i'm like oh this is interesting and they look at me like, you're interested in this? I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to watch this with my kids. This is fun. This sounds like interesting. They might enjoy this, you know? So, so in like, you're tune. Always teacher, always... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. You don't turn it off, eh? Like, like kind of everything you see, you're, 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 you're viewing oh, it oh, through this, like, teacher 100%. lens. And yeah, 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 How to use it. And, oh, my God. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> and now you hear, yeah. you hear a little jingle and you're like, huh, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So, okay. So your summers are basically spent doing the big plan and then you, the weekend, it's kind of a bit more micro and then throughout the week. I mean, that, that's like, obviously, um, every, everyone has their own mm -hmm. method. This is what works for yeah. me. I had to like, you know, realize and figure out what is the, the best way that I could, you know, yeah. come out of it. So this, this is my way of working. Um, I, I, I would encourage anyone. Mm -hmm to find like a, a routine yeah. or like a something that's kind of uh, set in stone yeah. because especially when with the weeks and everything you're going to do and if you want to have time for yourself a routine helps because you know like your expectations what to, what's going to come up okay today I have this 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 I have this much time to work on this and whatever and it just it, it, it after all teaching is a routine also you know you have your classes every day and everything so if you kind of add that element into your life it just becomes easier yeah. in the sense that you're, 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 you're teaching and you're doing what you're doing in your own life by following a schedule of like what you have to do and everything. So it's like, it's kind of like what you're saying. You never turn it off. You're always like in teacher mode, you know, everything you see and anything you do, uh, it, it always comes back to, could I apply this as, as a teacher or could I apply this to my everyday life as a teacher, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Routine is key. And I, I, <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, and, and like, obviously, uh, like, as I was saying before, like your expectations, like at the beginning of the year, I usually concentrate more on grammar depending for that grade level and try and get them to, to, to learn the basic. Like, for example, if you're doing grade three and four, you want them to learn like articles, basic verb, how to apply like adjectives and stuff like that. And then eventually, let's say for the first half of the year, once they've really grasped and they feel comfortable with this, like this, these functional language or all these tools, mm -hmm. then we start embarking on like projects, personal projects. They get to like prepare little, uh, oral presentations and stuff like that. So it's like, you really have to build mm -hmm. everything from like the ground mm -hmm. up. You can't just expect the students that, okay, we're going to do adjectives. We did one, two activities. Okay. They should be good. No, no, no. You always have to go back to it. Like maybe a month later, um, in a different way, yeah. obviously, maybe like in a game form or maybe like a crossword. My students love crosswords. Mm -hmm. So I'll have like crosswords. I'll prepare stuff like that. So you, 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 you adapt 
your teaching method to what you want the students to achieve. And uh, they love projects, but I tell them like, look, you can't just jump into a project right away. You have to build everything. And they realized that too. At the beginning, they were like, oh, the teacher last year, all we used to do was projects from the beginning to the end. And I'm like, okay, let's try one. And I tried it and it was like Google Translate. No one was actually using the, like what they learned in class. And I told them, what's the benefit of just using Google Translate? Don't you want to be able to do it on your own? And they slowly started understanding what my mm. point was. And then that way it started um, becoming easier to, to plan out everything because they knew, okay, we're doing all of this grammar now and it might be dull or boring or maybe excessive, but they know that this is going to help them work towards the projects that they want to do at the end of the year and uh, that motivates them to want to learn so they retain the most pertinent things mm -hmm. and then when it comes time comes time to present oh they're they're they're, they're the kids are they love talking about themselves or stuff they enjoy so having personal projects is like the easiest thing to do because uh there's no way that anyone's going to be like oh, i don't feel like talking about myself like everyone loves sharing what they love so that's like your best bet. You know? Such good advice. I was just talking about this with another teacher. Personal projects. We love talking about ourselves. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. Sometimes a bit too much. These students go into like, you know, they devolve like too much information about like why they like things and everything. So, you know, but that's just like the, the charm of, like, oh, you know, those. It's students, endearing. It's, it's endearing. <laughs> it is very endearing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I wish, I wish I had you as, as my teacher. I look back in the day. <laughs> For real. Oh, my God. No, you, I mean, you just you sound so passionate you know and you're into it and these and i mean this is all just really 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 valuable insight for the teacher to know so really thank you so much uh we're gonna oh, it's my really we're you. gonna we're gonna wrap up here but just to uh finish uh i really had two other questions okay one is is a little bit drier but very useful um so do you have any go-to resources that you use like online tools or or books that you go go to anything like that um well one thing i've done which i would encourage other and undergraduate students to do if obviously i understand sometimes you you want to resell the books that you have for specific mm. classes maybe you, you find no use for them but i have um, a library of all my books here in my apartment with everything highlighted that i've done throughout the year and sometimes i'll just go pick up a book and just skim through it very quickly just to kind of remember what i learned at concordia and whatnot and well, honestly, 80% of the stuff I use are all my books that I had from Concordia. Mm -hmm. They're uh, like, I'm sure you, you like that grammar book, that Bible is like amazing when it comes to grammar. Um, how languages are learned for the language acquisition classes help you like understand like how they, what is like an L2 and how they actually learn it. Uh, the first year teacher's guide book, you have the 415 book that I have that teaches you how to prepare like evaluations and everything. So, be everything that you learn at Concordia is going to be helpful later mm -hmm. on. So if it's possible for you to hang on to those books, I would suggest that that's like the best tool that you could have, honestly. Other than that, I have a couple of websites online that I visit to get activities from because um, our school doesn't have a, a workbook. So we're encouraged to create our own activities, which is another challenge also because I'm creating my own activities. You have to kind of you know, like again, you don't want it to be stagnant or redundant, so you have to fix them up. So sometimes I'll find activities online. There's like ISL Collective. Mm, for sure. Uh, there, there's uh, Teachers Pay Teachers. Yeah. 
some of them you have to pay for, but like you pay for it and it's like a big uh, PDF file with like 20 pages and there's everything in there. And um, honestly, paying for activities and stuff like that at first was a bit foreign to me, you know, because you could find so many things online for free. But paying definitely works out. Like there's this website, it's called Teach This. Yeah. It was like $30, $30 for one year and you get to download all the activities. And, you know, I downloaded them. I have like over a thousand five hundred activities from that one website alone. And you get to go through them, skim, modify it as you wish. So there's a lot you could find online. But in terms of immediate resources for teaching, I would go with uh, all the books that you have from Concordia. Because those things are uh, super handy. Uh, honestly, I, I refer to them constantly. Okay. That's very, very good to know. Very, very good advice there. Um all right. Do you have any any final words of advice? Anything you want to say? You're addressing the undergrad and the TESOL program. Anything you want to let them know as uh, someone working in the field? Um, I mean, you've already said well, so like much. I, <laughs> I know, <laughs> this I know. Whole, no, no, I'm just thinking, no, oh my God, no, that's the whole point. This whole interview has been like endless advice, but just, you know, I don't know, anything to kind of round it off. Well, obviously, like, I'm, 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 I'm not going to go ahead of myself. I'm only like into my third year. So all the advice I'm giving you is based on what I've experienced as a new teacher. So, you know, uh, you could take it with a grain of salt or you could take it to heart. It's up to you. But uh, I'm just sharing what I experienced in the last two years. One thing I know is patience. You really have to be patient with yourself, with your students, with everything, your expectations, managing them and all that. And also, um, I feel like it's important to constantly reinvent yourself in a way because if you kind of fall in a pattern where everything is the same, it's it might become a bit repetitive and that's where it could become a bit dull at times and you find that, oh, this is just the same thing over and over again. Whereas since, first of all, you're an ESL teacher, so you have like control over the language and like you could use the language in any way you want. You could watch stuff, you could listen to activities and everything so try and find different different things and constantly make it something different so that you don't feel that it's just repetitive and the students don't feel it either and the more engaging the activity is the more they're going to actually want to take part of it and they're going to want to and so that's it just reinvent yourself always keep it fresh because um by keeping it fresh it's just it's going to benefit you and the students overall and uh, and just take it easy, man. Like it, it's stressful, and you're gonna feel like, oh man, this is the most stressful thing, and everything. And you're gonna make mistakes, but mistakes are part of the job, and that's gonna make you a better teacher. If you don't make mistakes, that means that either you're you're superhuman and you're just perfect, or that you're you're not taking the necessary risks and you're just playing it safe. And sometimes taking those risks is what's gonna help you reach that next level of teaching sometimes so you know it's a it's a constant like learning like it's not a struggle but you learn so much about yourself and just be open to change for yourself and your classroom and the entire experience and you'll be fine